Hello and welcome back to episode 40 of the Sports Brief Podcast. It's good to be back. Uh, we've got a lot of a full show with a lot of great content, obviously. Um, Tristan, man, how you doing? It's been, uh, you know, you're growing, out of, you got, you're growing out of beard. I love it, honestly. It looks yeah. great. Yeah, I got my little quarantine beard going. Got to... Gotta let it, gotta let it fly. You know, I don't have any work obligations or Doesn't anything. Little... I need to. Good. Uh, uh, yeah, it gets a little itchy. Last week, actually, it got to a point where it was pretty itchy, but it's starting to feel pretty good now. So, I'm gonna let it go for a while and uh, see where it takes me. Maybe I'll shave it and I'll keep the stash for an episode. Maybe episode fifty will be mustache episode. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, honestly, I'd hate to break it to you, but I think you're the only one that's going to be able to do anything uh, like that. I, 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 23 years old, still can't, still can't grow a mustache. Tried everything. Uh, miracle grow, man, just doesn't work. Um, anyway, uh, uh, no, it looks good. Honestly, it, it, is it almost too hot out for a beard? I don't know. Uh, no, it's not too bad. I mean, as long as you don't wear anything else, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, honestly, let's uh, uh, we'll talk about beards later. Actually, we're going to talk about you guys subscribing down below. Um, also, leave us a like and a comment. Comment on uh, some of the content we're putting out. That we're obviously going to talk about um, who should start between Dan Dwayne Haskins and Kyle Allen. Um, we're going to talk about uh, Tom Brady holding some informal workouts with new teammates, um, and then uh, you know which NFC North teams or just NFC teams, excuse me, that will give the 49ers the most problems. Um, and then one team, or excuse me, one player from each of our respective teams. That nobody's talking about, but they should be. Um, but yeah, obviously, make sure you guys subscribe down below. Leave us a like, a comment uh, as we go along with the subjects as well. So um, let's kick it off with Dwayne Haskins and Kyle Allen. Now, Kyle Allen made it all, made it all the way out to, uh, to the Redskins because Ron Rivera loves this guy. Honestly, uh, it's to be expected. Kyle Allen, former five-star recruit. Um, and a guy that, honestly, I think he impressed a lot of people. Personally, I thought that at, at times he probably reminded people more of a franchise quarterback, or at least he played well at more uh, better at spurts than Cam Newton did. So I mean, it was it's kind of it was kind of crazy to see him kind of take over the way he did. Um, but I mean, when you got Christian McCaffrey and you can just kind of hand it off and throw it, I don't think that's really going to be uh, too much of a shock. But hey, he did what he had to. Uh, so the question remains, though, is are the Redskins going to pull? Uh, what the Cardinals did a couple years ago, and i.e. let Josh Rosen go and take a whole other quarterback, uh, or excuse me, just uh, have a you know a top ten quarterback or whatever he was selected, and then not even bother, like just to totally let him go bye bye. So uh, and have, bring in another quarterback. So personally, I don't know what's going to go on here. What are your thoughts on this, big guy? Um, I'm not too sure. I definitely think, like you said, there's a lot of significance in Ron Rivera trading to reunite with Kyle Allen. Um, and also the former Panthers offensive coordinator, Scott Turner, who is now with the Redskins while he was with the Panthers when Kyle Allen played for them just a year and two. I think Allen's been in the league for two years now, right? I yeah, think I want to say, yep, but two years. when you put, when you put Allen and Haskins side by side, um, I think they're pretty comparable in terms of their abilities. Obviously I think Haskins is capable of a little more physically. Um, Allen, you, Kyle Allen played pretty well at the beginning of last season, but as the season went on, he kind of regressed. And it was kind of yeah. the opposite with Dwayne Haskins. He started the season pretty awful, and then he began to take some big strides uh, as the season came to an end last year. But uh, their skill sets are comparable, but I think Kyle Allen's knowledge of the offense that's going to be there um, is going to give him a leg up, probably, because he's really familiar with, obviously, Rivera and Scott Turner already. And Haskins is going to get forced to learn 
a whole second system, and it's only his second year in the league, which isn't too ideal. So I do think, as of now, the job is Dwayne Haskins to lose. Um, I think he'll most likely start week one, but I think he's going to be on a very short leash. Um, mm-hmm. He's going to be given a very short leash, you know, make mistakes. We have another guy who we're really comfortable with, and we won't hesitate to start him instead. But I do think it's Dwayne Haskins to lose. I just will not be surprised if Kyle Allen steals it from him. But uh, as soon as Haskins starts to struggle it's or gets hurt, it's probably over for him in Washington. Unfortunately, I think you're right uh, in, in one instance here. And I think if you look at this uh, almost non-objectively, like if you look at both quarterbacks, like you said, you're going to see some similarities. However, you know, honestly, I, I see a little bit more from Dwayne Haskins. I think he has a higher ceiling than mm-hmm. Allen does. And I think you, when you're looking at these two quarterbacks, you're kind of asking yourself, okay, who can actually be the leader of this team? Who can actually put the team on when they have to put this team on their back and lead them? Now, the Redskins finally got some weapons. Terry McLaren's really coming up. They got AP, um, Darius Geis, and a barrage of all, a whole bunch of other players. But I truly believe, in my perspective, that Dwayne Haskins is, he's earned this. You brought in Dwayne Haskins, you drafted him uh, because you thought he was going to be your number one quarterback. And I think moving forward, if, you, if you're going to take a guy like that, you can't just let him go, you know, a most of one season. And this is what, one thing I think the Cardinals didn't exactly uh, do well. You know, they j- drafted Josh Rosen. I feel bad for Rosen more than mm-hmm. anything because they totally to move on from him and then bring in Kyler Murray and trade away Rosen. And, you know, now he's, um, he's kind of seemed to struggle a little bit in this thing. So, uh, personally, I hope it doesn't screw anything up for Rosen because I, I really like Rosen coming out of UCLA. And um, I, I feel like, it just it kind of really uh, almost uh, sabotaged his career a little bit, but I think and I'm I'm hoping the same thing doesn't happen to Dwayne Haskins um, because again I I see a lot of good stuff from Haskins um, and I, I fully expect him to be able to do some good things uh, in the future. And the thing about me for me about Josh Allen or excuse me Kyle Allen is I I, I feel like Allen is uh, he had he was like a really hyped out of coming out of college like he. Uh, Really had a lot. Obviously, as a five-star recruit, um, had a lot of things going for him. He's got the perfect quarterback haircut. Like I don't know. Like, I don't think anybody really like take a look at his 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 picture. He, like he's the like the genuine uh, pretty boy. Got the perfect haircut. Um, and honestly, he he looks the part of a five-star quarterback. He looks at you know ever since at Texas A&M. Um, and but I mean, Ron Rivera loves him. Uh, but I I think it should be Dwayne Haskins. I don't think um, I don't agree with that. He should be. He, he well. You said he's going to be on a short lease. I don't think he should be on a short lease, Dwayne Haskins, uh, because I feel like he has earned, uh, especially if you look in these last couple of games he played in the NFL before Case Keenum came back, you know, week 15 against the Eagles, a 10-point loss. He still, you know, completed um, almost 60% or over 60% of his passes, 19 for 28, 261 yards and two touchdowns. And then he comes back the next week and only has three incompletions the entire game against a giant squad that's up and coming. Uh, and throws two more touchdowns. So I think you have to have patience with a guy like this. Um, you know, when you saw him struggle a little bit against a team like the Vikings too, but I mean that's kind of almost unfair. Like uh, Mike Zimmer getting to go against a rookie quarterback, you kind of you feel bad for him a little bit because you know he's going to throw a whole bunch of different things at him, and it's just that's a tough position for anybody to be in in a Mike against going up against a Mike Zimmer defense, let alone a rookie. So um, I think Haskins should have uh, more free reign than anything here. He should be able to uh, really do what he feels is necessary, uh, give him – and it, it sucks because, it, you know, they got rid of possibly one of the best left tackles. And I, I feel bad um, because you can't get rid of a, a star left tackle like that and expect him, you know, to, to hit the uh, – to you know, for Dwayne Haskins to hit the ground running. Um, 
and it, it's kind of a tough thing to see. But I do hope nothing for him uh, but the best. But, again, you brought Dwayne Haskins in. You brought him in. You think he's going to be your guy. Um, and I think that you uh, you move uh, you move forward knowing that he's going to be your guy. And you, you try to make him be the most uh, successful person he can be. Now, again, trading Trent Williams away was not necessarily – uh, a thing that helps you out, but I mean, you got a couple of draft picks for him, but they can leave another hole that you have to try to fill. So, um, nothing, wish nothing but the best for Haskins moving forward, but I, it's going to be, I think, an uphill battle. Um, but at least, hey, the, the Redskins are getting better on defense, which is, I think, was their Achilles heel last year. So, mm-hmm. um, next subject Tom Brady holds informal workouts with his new teammates during the pandemic. Obviously, this is kind of a t- this is a time of uncertainty. A lot of people don't know what's going to happen, what's going on, what our future looks like. But it's kind of like an almost uh, like it's a little bit of glimmer of hope. Like I feel like now that people are seeing this, okay, we're kind of getting back. We're op- reopening the country. Uh, local businesses are starting to kind of get with it now. Don't get me wrong; they're still uh, we're vastly affected by this. But it's good to see that the country is slowly starting to open back up. People are starting to get back to work and. Hey, we have some sports-ish. Like, maybe we'll start on time. Maybe we'll move forward uh, and start to see a little something. Um, Tom Brady and his new, uh, you know, holds an informal work. What do you think, man? Uh, I like it. I like to see it. I know a lot of people, maybe not a lot of people, but I'm sure there's some people out there that are, you know, being a little upset about it. You know, you shouldn't be getting together with so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, Florida's uh, social di- social distancing rules currently allow – Groups of under ten people to get together, and ten people is what they had there. I'm pretty sure. I uh, saw they had the center Ryan Jensen, wide receivers Mike Evans, Scotty Miller, tight ends Cameron Braid, OJ Howard, quarterbacks Blaine Gabbert, Ryan Griffin, and then the running back. Uh, try to say his name, Dare Ogan Boale. Uh, <laughs> however you say it. So yeah, I mean they're following the rules. They had it at the uh, Tampa's Berkeley Prep School. Um, mm-hmm. which currently they're not allowing students at the school, but they're allowing uh, athletes to work out there. So, you know, good on them for finding a way to work out and get uh, familiar with his new teammates. Um, going to be a big year for Tom to see what he can do with his new teammates. So, yeah, I think if I was in Tom's shoes, I would have tried to do the exact same thing. Um, I'm trying to get together with my teammates as much as I can, get to know them a little bit, build some chemistry with the receivers and your running backs and your tight ends. So I can't blame the guy. I wish it was happening more often around the country, but not everywhere is as lenient right now as Florida is. I know that there's a lot of, uh, a lot of states are talking about opening their training facilities for NFL and NBA. Um, NBA, I think may have already opened a lot of their facilities. I think this is just going on in the last week or so, but yeah, I do think the season's going to start on time. Um, the way things are looking, if they're already going to reopen practice facilities soon and allow face-to-face contact, it's just the fans that will be affected, I think, the most. We'll still be able to watch on TV, but I think I saw an article the other day that said something about they're thinking about starting the regular season with only uh, half attendance allowed in the stadiums. Mm-hmm. Uh, something like that. I'm not sure if that's credible or not, but I don't know. I like to see it. I'm I'm happy for Tom Brady. Obviously, I don't. I'm not a huge fan of his. I don't really want to see him necessarily succeed in Tampa Bay, but I'm sure he will. And uh, yeah, you like to see stuff like this for sure. Yeah, I, I think so too. Because I think it's kind of like obviously everybody said. You know, I saw a Facebook post the other day about how everybody realized you can live without sports, but you can't live without. Uh, 
without farmers and ranchers. And while that may be true, man, it's good to have some sports back. Um, oh, you know, and I think- awesome. And then the UFC, I don't know if you paid any attention to the UFC. They, uh, they kicked off some events starting about a week ago. Um, they had three events in the last week. Pretty big events, too. They just had no fans in attendance. Their three commentators sat on opposite sides of the octagon. They televised it live. And I actually really enjoyed it with no fans. It was a super different experience. And when they have no fans, you can hear them smacking each other and talking to each other. So it's uh, it's different, but it's it's pretty cool. I really enjoyed it. But good on the UFC for being really the first live sport back, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's really cool to see, and I think they're going to jump jumpstart a lot of other sports to come back. Yeah. Um, got a little bit of back to the tall Tom Brady thing, you know. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean I'm sure you've seen this too, the NFL uh, power rankings, which. You know, we'll probably get a little bit more into in, uh, in depth with that when we cover the three NFC teams that will give the 49ers their biggest, you know, challenge or the most problems. Um, but I, I've seen a lot of, like, NFL power rankings that have the, the Buccaneers, like, in the top ten. Now, yeah. I realize this Buccaneers team is set, uh, coming off a 7-9 season, and they got Tom Brady, and they uh, they had a relatively good draft. And, like, they, they've got some pieces now. Like, their offense is coming together. To, uh, or their offense is one of the best in the league now. Uh, it will be, especially with Tom Brady, in my opinion. And plus, their defense is coming together. Like, this team is, you know, one on a four-game win streak towards the end of the season that I think it really it sparked something under them. And I think it's going to really help them, as especially as they progress moving forward into this, into the 2020 season. Um, I almost get uh, – I could be wrong here. I'm okay with being wrong, but as long as somebody voices and tells me why I'm wrong, uh, I'm okay with that. Like, I just – I feel like I, uh, I might be a little bit of a stretch here, but I need to say this. Because I need to, I, I've had these a couple of these thoughts that uh, I think mentally, like inside my head, and then uh, somebody else comes out and says it. So I'm going to say it here. I'm going to get it out there so that way I can claim it if it's mine. I get the 2009, like, Minnesota Vikings feel to this team. Like, the Vikings in 2008 were coming off a 10-6 and record. Um, you know, Adrian Peterson basically carried them to the playoffs. He ran for 1,760 yards and 10 touchdowns. Um, and then the Vikings had an early, uh, I believe it was a wild card, round one exit. That was, okay, fine. They, made, they were 10-6, and six, coming off 8-8 eight eight record back in 07. Um, so now they get Brett Favre. Um, you know, they got Vasante Shanko. They got Chester Taylor, Adrian Peterson, Sidney Rice. Uh, Bernard Berrien, like Percy Harvin, too, in the first round. like, And then they got Brett Favre, the piece that really they needed the most of. And I think uh, a lot of people were writing them off because, uh, you know, they're thinking, okay, Brett Favre's probably just washed up, whatever it is. But uh, you just got – I had a feeling about that team that they were going to go far. I had a feeling they were going to let me down, but I had a feeling that they were going to go far, you know, with Brett Favre's inevitable uh, game-losing interception. Uh, even he admitted he choked there, so I have to give him props for that. But, it, hey, come on, the Saints were targeting him. Let's, let's, let's kind of remember these things where we're supposed to. But um, I get the 2009 feel to this, like the, the, that Vikings team, like they're stacked on offense. Their defense isn't going to make them lose games, but especially with Tom Brady who takes excellent care of the football, I don't expect – them to t- I expect them to be legitimate contenders in the NFC, but the question is how much. I like I don't know that they're a top ten team right now, but I, I get the feeling that they could very easily be. Uh, I, I like again, I have to. There's some similarities, but there's also some vast contrast to each team. Like obviously, Ronald Jones is starting running back for the Buccaneers. He's no AP. I get that, um, but he's still a really good football player. And then both sides defense is improving, uh, but the Vikings had one of the top run-stuffing duos in the entire NFL. Uh, maybe you've heard of them, Pevin, uh, Kevin and Pat Williams, the Williams brothers, on the inside. 
Williams Wall, man. So it was good stuff. But And then again, the Buccaneers, I think they're still kind of figuring some stuff out. But again, I get that feeling that it's the same type of thing. They just really needed that quarterback. Now, Jameis Winston, in my mind, is still a very good quarterback. I just think that Tom Brady's experience, um, the way he carries himself, his leadership is going to do wonders for this locker room. And um, I know I kind of went off a little bit uh, more on a power ranking there, but I just feel like this is so good to have sports back. It gives me so much hope. Uh, I, I feel like vibrant again like i'm starting to find that uh, the, the sunshine again the birds are tripping be- all because sports is back and uh or we're getting there anyways and that's just something so great to see um any comments on what i just said uh i do agree that uh first of all i'm very excited that we're starting to see some hope of sports coming back um but i agree putting the buccaneers i mean a lot of the stuff i saw had them in like the top five even and yeah. I do think that's a bit generous because we haven't seen this squad together yet. I mean, I mean, we've seen them together, but minus Tom Brady. We don't know how he's going to fit in with a new team. We've never seen this happen with him before. And But it's obvious he's an upgrade from Jameis Winston. He's going to bring leadership. He's going to bring ball protection. Um, mm-hmm. So I think no matter if Tom Brady has one of his worst years, or if he has his best year, I still think they're going to win more football games than they ever would have with Jameis Winston, just because of ball security. He won't throw 30 picks. Um, Jameis Winston, I mean, the Buccaneers lost a lot of close games, and if Jameis Winston doesn't throw three or four picks a game, then they win a lot of those games, and they're a playoff team probably. So I definitely think adding Tom Brady certainly uh, puts them into the playoff picture almost automatically. But Mm -hmm. I guess we'll talk about them a little bit in the next – segment here yeah absolutely i gotta kind of uh kind of reiterate what i was saying again i know there's some vast uh contrast to those teams we know buccaneers coming off seven nine the vikings were ten and six uh and had some hope had some pieces um and the, the buccaneers basically are almost unproven at this point but they've got a lot of firepower it almost reminds me of like the browns like like uh, like last year everybody was so in on the browns and then obviously things didn't pan out the way that browns fans hoped and, I mean, it's just – it's setting up – it's going to be one of those two things. Like, it's – no, there's no in-between. Like, I don't see the Buccaneers going in. And I feel like they're either going to go um, – like, just uh, – season's not going to go according to plan. They're going to go, like, 4-12, and 6-10, and 10, uh, just not – things not clicking. Or they're going to go 11-5, uh, and 10-6, and 6, possibly even 12-4, and 4, and actually make the playoffs and be, like, a legitimate threat in the NFC. So, I just feel like there's no in-between. This is one of those things where it's going to be – this is actually going to be really fun to see. Um mm-hmm. Next segment here, which three NFC teams will give the 49ers the most problems? I'll actually take this one real quick. Um, man, I think it all starts with the Seahawks. Like, um, because with Russell Wilson, the way he's been playing at an MVP level, the man has not been getting his respect. Pete Carroll is actually a very good NFL coach. I feel like he is uh, – just with his one Super Bowl win, I think he's already considered uh, probably one of the great he's, – he's a Hall of Fame coach in my mind. Uh, Pete Carroll is a Hall of Fame coach, a guy that won a Super Bowl, uh, been there a second time, made a minor mistake, not giving Marshawn Lynch the ball, but we'll, we'll talk about that another time. Probably Stone uh, probably wouldn't want to talk about that one. But, you know – the Seahawks, they're going to have both. Uh, they should have uh, Rashad Penny back and Chris Carson. I know they both told their, uh, I believe they both tore their ACLs. I expect them to probably be back around midseason, maybe a little before that. But I mean, the, the Seahawks are always just so stacked. And like that, DK Metcalf really came into his own. And, and honestly, Pete Carroll coaches that defense up so well. Um, and I wrote, well, not just Pete Carroll, the entire coaching staffs. Um, like he just coaches that team so well. And I mean, Russell Wilson just makes some amazing things happen. They're, t- they're going to always, this, as the saying goes, the Seahawks are always—they're they're one of those teams that's going to be a tough out, man. Like they're, they're just always a good team. They play—they uh, play sound assignment football. 
they take good care of the football. Russell Wilson does anyway, and they run the ball well. They play good defense. So they're just always going to be, as long as Pete Carroll's head coach and Russell Wilson is the starting quarterback, man, the Seahawks are always going to be a tough out. They're going to be a tough team to beat. I'm gonna. I think it's the Green Bay Packers. Now, I know a lot of Packers fans. You know, and I loved. Uh, I love some things that I, as a Vikings fan, I love seeing um, some things that I, I uh, the, about the Packers struggling in the draft. I love. I know we kind of joked about the last episode, but you still have Aaron Rodgers, who I think now he may not have needed a wide receiver. I think it would have helped him out uh, generously, very generously. But um, I'm really liking what I'm seeing from the Packers. Their defense took a huge step forward. That was a big question. Like that was something that. You know, from Zadarius Smith, I believe he led the NFL in pressures, total pressures last year. So, like, I'm seeing some good things from this defense finally. I feel like um, now they did draft Rodgers' replacement, but let's be real. He's not ready. He's not going to come in. Uh, Jordan Love is not going to come in day one and start over in Rodgers. We all know that. And, and barring anything cat- catastrophic, I believe the Packers will come in and do a very uh, – and be, again, another tough out. Like, they've got a star quarterback. They've got a good running back in Aaron Jones. Um, and, and I think you're going to – even your boy – uh, at tight end is going to come in. Uh, I think he's going to start to tear it up too. Um, and I think that this this Packers team is going to remind everybody why they won the NFC North last year, um, and they're going to do their thing. Uh, but the thing is, again, the Packers are almost like the Buccaneers in my in my opinion. Like they are uh, like something is either going to go terribly wrong and Rodgers is going to get benched like week ten, something like that, or. Aaron Rodgers is going to lead them to another NFC North championship, and they're going to be in the Super Bowl. Like, again, that is literally like the in-between, especially for how the offseason went for the Packers. They didn't add anybody, but they also didn't lose anybody that was like monumentally huge. So um, if they did, I think they brought in Rick Wagner for um, – uh, was it David Bakhtiari, correct? Uh, Balaga. Balaga, excuse me. Brian Balaga, excuse me. Um, no, I still think – it's not like they lost anybody huge. So this, this Packers team is still very tough. Um, and then it comes down to the Saints. The Saints are a team that, I mean, this is their last, I think this is probably their last ride, or uh, there's not a man, more many rides like this with Drew Brees. Like, you can see some, uh, you know, he obviously, you know, I think he missed, what, three, four games last year. I still managed to throw, uh, well, it was 26, 27 touchdown passes. And, and Drew Brees, he's still kind of an ageless, ageless wonder. Like, he is honestly still amazing, at, at however old he is at but, um, at 41 years old. So, I mean, still through 27 touchdown passes, 74% completion percentage. I mean, he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But I don't know if they play me, they play the Vikings again early in the rounds. They might lose again. I'm sorry, Saints fans. I had to take a little jab. I'll, I'll be quiet because I know I'm pretty sure I'm almost positive the Vikings won't make the playoffs this year. But um, no, again, I, the Saints team, I think Alvin Kamara is going to come out next year because he kind of had a little bit of a down year, a, a touchdown drought, if you will. Alvin Kamara is a very good running back. I, honestly, I. I I feel like every time I, I watch him run, people are scared to tackle him. Like, he brings a force. He brings a power. Um, and this is worth noting. In each, Obviously, he can run the football. He scored 27 rushing touchdowns just, you know, just running the football. He has caught 81 passes in each of his first three seasons in the NFL. That is amazing. Like, this guy is yeah. very clearly yeah. a, 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 a dual threat running back. And ever since he was coming out of Tennessee, just a guy that you you knew he was going to be a very good football player. Um, and it was I just couldn't believe that he fell all the way to the third round of the Saints, quite frankly. But um, I think he's going to have a big year, um, and the Saints are going to come out and uh, absolutely annihilate people. Um, and it's just going to be a really fun year. I think you know, there's a lot of things that you have to like if you're a Saints fan. Uh, I think they're going to be coming back mad, which for the Vikings fans is not great because we know we we probably have this coming. Like we we know we've made them mad, Minneapolis miracle, and then we come back, you know, last year and beat them. Uh, in New Orleans, when everybody and their mama knew we shouldn't have won that game, 
and I think they're going to be mad, rightfully so. They uh, they know, we know that we, that we shouldn't have won that game, and they're going to come back mad. They're going to be come back ready to play because I think enough is enough. Um, and I'm, I'm personally just really excited uh, for this season. Uh, but moving forward, those are my three teams uh, in the Seahawks, the Packers, and the Saints. Uh, my man, uh, what about you? Uh, who are the three teams that could give the uh, three NFC uh, teams that could give the, the 49ers the most problems? Yeah, number one, I also well, I put New Orleans as my number one threat. Um, their interior blocking, I think, has been uh, the biggest, you know, the thorn in their heel, I guess, their biggest weakness uh, the last two postseasons. In 2018, it was Aaron Donald controlling their entire interior offensive line. And then the, the Rams obviously went on to go to the Super Bowl. And then last year, it was Minnesota moving, uh, was it Hunter, Daniil Hunter, and Everson yep. Griffin over the guards to rush the passer. And they completely destroyed. They destroyed the Saints' interior offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they didn't, they just used inside moves to beat the offensive tackles, and they just suffocated mm-hmm. Drew Brees. Um, and Drew Brees isn't that tall of a guy. He usually, I mean, when you watch him play, he he stands on his tiptoes. He he stands on his tippy toes a little bit because he needs to see over the line. So <laughs> pass rush is dangerous for Drew Brees. But um, they addressed offensive line in the draft. They drafted uh, Cesar Ruiz, the center from Michigan, uh, mm-hmm. who's a very good blocker. And they also added Emmanuel Sanders and Malcolm Jenkins. And mm-hmm. just yesterday, they added Ty Montgomery to the backfield. Really? Along with, they still have Latavius Murray and Alvin Kamara. Ty Montgomery is going to be, I think he can be very dangerous in this offense, given his his receiving abilities out of the backfield. Um, he hasn't really, I mean, he went to the Jets. I think he played for the Jets last year. He didn't really find a good role there. He was he had a big role for Green Bay when he played in Green Bay, and I think New Orleans will use him even better than Green Bay managed to use him. That kid's got a lot of potential, and I think it was a super underrated signing. Like, we're going to talk about teams or players from our teams that people don't talk about that they should. I think if I was a Saints fan, Ty Montgomery is going to be one of those guys, you're probably going to be looking at getting this jersey halfway through the season. Maybe. I think I think his potential is there. He could be a star. But, yeah, I had New Orleans as my number one. My number two, I had to put Tampa. I had to put Tampa Bay. Just because, oh. no, the Buccaneers, they're, they're not going to be as fun with Tom replacing Jameis. Obviously, watching Jameis was a circus. But <laughs> they'll, be, they'll be better. Mainly because, you know, Tom can process more information faster get the ball to the receiver at the right spot at the right time better and, you know, not throw 30 interceptions in a season. So the defense is young. Uh, They play with a lot of fire. They're hot. They're going to blitz a lot under Bruce Arians. Um, The secondary they've got, some talented guys. I'm not sure how good they are, but I do know at the end of the year last year they put together some really good performances. Um, And the tackle position, their offensive line looks pretty good. It looks like they don't really have any – Huge question marks on the offensive line. They have I don't know their tackles names, but I know they got good tackles there. But that that's what I got my number one. The third round, uh, I think he was like a, a D three guy. Ellie Marpet, he's actually a really good interior offensive line for them. I know they have him, yeah. Yeah, so I think they're pretty set. And then we mentioned the running backs earlier. Obviously they don't have they don't have superstar running backs. They have I can't even remember their damn names. Ogan Boale and uh the other guy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, him. But you do not need superstar running backs to win big games. You need Ronald Jones, good, correct. 
Yes, you need good running backs who are capable to do what you ask, which Tom Brady has done his entire career with James White, with literally every running back he's ever played with. If you can catch a check down pass, and if you can eat four to six yards, you're probably going to win Super Bowls with Tom Brady because that's his safety valve. He needs a decent, he needs decent running backs at best. Yep. Um, so I think they're fine. They don't have any question marks at running back, I don't think. Um, my number two, I put uh, – oh, wait, I already did number one, too. I put New Orleans number one, Tampa yep. number two. Number three, I do appreciate you putting Green Bay on the list. I didn't, but I put oh. Dallas. I put the Dallas Cowboys up there. Um, I think they're going to be a lot better than they were last year. Um they put some work into their defensive line, which was one of their weaknesses last year. Uh, safety was their other weakness. Uh, Jeff Heath, I think was his name, had didn't have a good year. He wasn't a very good safety. But they acquired HaHa Clinton Dix, uh, the former Packers and Bears safety, who is the solid safety. He's going to be good, I think, for them, especially reuniting with McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a better head coach in Mike McCarthy. And Ezekiel Elliott's not going to be holding out in Mexico this year. So he should be... <laughs> He should be in tip-top shape when the season starts. They added C.D. Lamb to a receiving core that's already unfair. Mm-hmm. Um, their defense played a lot better than people expected them to play last year at times. So I do think this team is going to be really good. I don't... Uh, obviously, they have their whole quarterback situation. Dak's obviously probably the starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andy Dalton's the backup, but you never know anything can happen. But regardless of who... Whichever one of those guys starts playing quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, I do think they're an automatic playoff team. I yeah. think the Cowboys win at least ten games next year. Um, they're just they're too stacked not to. I think they have the the most weapons probably have out of any team in the league. I want to say, um, mm-hmm. or at least top three in terms of weapon arsenal. But yeah, I do think Dallas is going to be so much better. I think the biggest factor to their success is going to be Mike McCarthy. Not a lot of people are talking about hiring, the hiring of Mike McCarthy and how much better he's going to be than Jason Garrett. I think he is going to be twice as good as Jason Garrett ever was for the Dallas Cowboys. I think I honestly think Mike McCarthy could probably take Dallas to the Super Bowl next year. I don't think they're going to, but I do think he will get to NFC Championship games with the Cowboys soon. I don't think it'll take him very long. But the Cowboys are going. But I to- hope. I hope they don't because I hate the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I hate Cowboys fans. Um, <laughs> everything about their fan base is just atrocious. The way they dress, the way they say we them boys, they throw up the X for Dez, even though he hasn't played for them in God knows how long and couldn't catch a damn thing. Uh, I hate Cowboys fans. I hate the Cowboys. I hate Jerry Jones. Love Mike McCarthy. But I do think they're going to be super dangerous. Have the Cowboys in the Super Bowl. Now, I realize, uh, I actually, it's funny you mentioned the Cowboys because I actually, I was going to kind of mention them, two teams in the minor note, the Cowboys and the Vikings. I'll get to the Cowboys first real quick. Um, Cowboys, the, now this year, right now, I, again, I hate to bring it back to an old school Vikings team, but they remind me again a lot of the 1998 Vikings. Like they have two quarterbacks, like the Vikings have Randall Cunningham and, uh, and Johnson uh, that really could come in and start if the, if the team really needed them to. 
Um, and I just feel like uh, Brad Johnson was the other quarterback. I'm sorry, I knew his last name. I'm the first name. My bad. Anyway, Brad Johnson and Randall Cunningham, you had two quarterbacks uh, that are comparable to Andy Dalton um, and Dak Prescott. You got two quarterbacks that come in for start, probably just about any team, and do pretty well. Um, and you've got two running backs. Now, Zeke Elliott is better than Robert Smith. I'm not debating that. Uh, but you, then you've got a superstore, you know, wide receiver, uh, wide, wide receiving core. Like the Vikings, obviously, Chris Carter, Randy Moss, uh, rookie wide receiver, Randy Moss. And then also on the other side, a uh, rookie wide receiver in, um, in, in C.D. Lamb, I believe, is, who they, is, the, is the, uh, who the Cowboys picked up. They, now, I'm not saying C.D. Lamb is obviously going to have as much of an impact as Randy Moss did because Randy Moss was just unworldly coming out of Marshall. But I think C.D. Lamb could have a very good, uh, very good amount of production for the Cowboys in year one. I do believe that. Uh, especially with how many other weapons there are. I mean, when you look at Zeke Elliott, um, I don't know. I, honestly, I don't know if uh, Jarwin, uh, Connor Jarwin Blake, or whatever his name is, I, I don't know if he's going to have a big of an impact as a tight end because, um, you know, it, 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 ever since um, I'm blanking, I can see his face in my mind right now, uh, the uh, Cowboys tight end um, uh, last year that, I mean, he was old. Like, he, come on, you got to know this too. Wait, we, we, Witten, thank you. Oh, my God. Jason Witten, I'm sorry. Jason Witten, like, he was, like, 100 years old in, in, in football years. So, I mean, just stacked um, Michael Gallup. I mean, the list goes on for the Cowboys. I mean, they they are stacked on all sides. And then they, you switch over to the defensive side. Demarcus Lawrence is a, a really good defensive lineman. Now, he probably wasn't on the same level that John Randall was, but still comparable. Like, they're two very good defensive linemen back in the day. So, this team, these two teams have a lot of similarities. Um but but the Cowboys, uh, I, I just I, I get a really good vibe from them in terms of all the talent that they have, and their defense improved too. So, um, but I'm not going to put them in the Super Bowl. Like that, like like I don't. I think that their ceiling is. I think they they've drastically improved, and finally Dak gets his contract. Yada yada yada. But the Super Bowl, like that. The 49ers are going to be a tough team to beat outright, anyways. And then you've got teams like the Packers. You've got teams. Um, you know, like the Saints and the Seahawks, but the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm sorry, my man. I love you, but that. Ugh, the only that's... thing, the only thing I can guarantee, or I never said I guarantee the Super Bowl. I do think that as soon as this next season, this team could be in the NFC Championship game. I don't necessarily think Dak has what it takes to get them to the Super Bowl yet, but I do think if they continue to win playoff games over the next few years. The Cowboys could probably find themselves in the Super Bowl maybe two or three years down the road with Mike McCarthy. But I still think immediately this first year with Mike McCarthy, divisional round, NFC Championship, possibly. Um, I just think they're going to be drastically improved, partially because of the discipline Mike McCarthy is going to bring to the team. Um, it's just going to be refreshing. I don't think Jason Garrett... Jason Garrett's a good coach and everything, but... Um, Besides standing on the sideline, clapping his hands, he didn't really do a whole lot of, uh, I mean, that's about all he did. He clapped his hands when his team did something good. He clapped his hands when his team did something bad. You never knew if he was happy or mad. But uh, having Mike McCarthy, um, it's going to be refreshing, and I think the Cowboys needed that. Jerry Jones needed that. I think the fans, oh, they've been wanting that probably for the last few years. Um, and just the best possible coach they could have hired, and they hired him. Uh, so I do think this will be a team that gets far. I think they will win a Super Bowl with Mike McCarthy, um, but I don't think it'll be in the next year or two. I'd give it a few years, but I do think the Cowboys see the Super Bowl. I'm not sure if they win one, but I, I do think they see one. Okay. 
Still, I just uh, I, I know the Cowboys. Any time they get close, like any time they actually like you look at them, you're like, okay, yeah, they've got some talent. They've got some guys that that look really good. I just I'm too hesitant to because of what they've done over the last couple of years. The Eagles were beat up last year, mm-hmm. and they couldn't even take care of the Eagles in order to make the playoffs. Like, I just, I'm, I'm not comfortable with saying I believe that the, uh, the Cowboys are, are that good. I think they're a good football team. I think they've got the potential, but the question is, will they, in fact, do it? I don't think they will. I don't think they've got uh, just the ma- genetic makeup of the team. Now, I do believe, um, you know, I, I've even said it in other podcasts, now, Mike McCarthy makes them Super Bowl contenders, but that's what they are, contenders. They're not, you know, shoe-ins like they're probably the Chiefs, you know, to make it next year uh, because, I mean, the Chiefs are just a tough team. Um, but, I mean, again, the, they've got so much talent. You know, I mean, Amari Cooper, Jason Witten, again, don't know what's going to go on with him. They lost Randall Kaba and, you know, Michael Gallup's coming back. But, I mean, it's not like the the Cowboys are, are any shortage of talent on the offensive side of the ball. Really, the question to me is defensively, um, are they going to have enough guys that can come in and absolutely do their job? Now, Jalen Smith um, and Le- Le- Leighton Vander Esch, I think those two guys are going to have uh, Pro Bowl and maybe possibly all pro seasons next year. If you watch Jalen Smith, that dude is a terror. I mean, mm-hmm. he chased down, I think it was Deshaun Watson. Do you know how hard it is to chase down Deshaun Watson? I, you might not be able to do it in a car. That guy can move. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm fully expecting with Jalen Smith, the way how, how much of an athlete he is, and then Leighton Van Der Esch, uh, who is just so coachable and a guy that uh, he does pretty good in coverage. I know he struggled a little bit last year, but I expect him to really take a step forward this year. I think this Cowboys defense is going to take a step and make them contenders. Now, uh, again, don't know if they're actually going to make it to the Super Bowl, but they they are contenders. I don't think we can personally deny that. Um, and then I actually have to get into my Vikings here for this year. Now, as much as it pains me, I don't think the Vikings are going to make the playoffs. They're, I think they're going to be 8-8. Eight eight. I think that's the best, the best thing. Um, but I think that everything literally would have to go right in terms of the Vikings – uh, getting like co- production out of the corners, um, Jeff Gladney, um, Cameron Dantzler. Like I just feel like they have to have amazing production out of those two in year one. Um, and now Mike Hughes is a good corner. Don't get me wrong. I've seen some good things. I've also seen him get burned a couple times, uh, more, to, more notably by Amari Cooper, who had like, what was it, like three touchdowns or two touchdowns, whatever it was on him. Like It was, it was embarrassing. So I, I've seen, uh, the, in order for the Vikings uh, to even make the playoffs this year, they need Cameron Dantzler and Jeff Gladney to absolutely play out of their minds. And then they also need Justin Jefferson to kind of take up some sort of rope or some sort of the, the role from Stefan Diggs had last year. Like He doesn't need to have 1,000 yards, but... He better have seven to eight hundred. Like he better have at least four or five touchdowns next year because that's how much the the that's the low that Stephon Diggs was going to give you with that seven hundred eight hundred yard mark. So um, I think that uh, you have a lot to replace there. Uh, so again, the Vikings have to have uh, media production, and they're so young. The Vikings are so young, such a young team. They still got a lot of that defense back. Um, now they lost a, a couple more, and we have to find out, you know, if they could uh, maybe hold on to uh, Harrison Smith a little bit longer. Al, uh, Anthony Harris, excuse me, is. Uh, is still, I think he got snubbed for the NFL Top 100, but um, uh, the topic for another day. Uh, the, the, the Vikings defense still has a lot of the same pieces, but they're just so they've got a lot of new young pieces that have to prove themselves before I'm even close to being comfortable to saying that they're uh, even like a scratching the surface of being a playoff team. Like they're not there yet, but I think they can get there uh, and probably relatively soon. Um, now don't let's forget. Go ahead. Don't go ahead. forget about uh, Tajay Sharp. Um, oh my. I know uh, he's probably not as touted as a lot of people make of him, I guess. But I do think it's going to make um, 
having Tajay Sharp, I don't know what the hell he plays. He probably plays slot receiver. But I do know he's been in the he, yeah he's been in the league for a while. He's got experience, so I think that's really going to help Justin Jefferson out. Um, I think I honestly think Tajay will produce more than Justin Jefferson does this next year. Um, I don't. I'm not a huge fan of Tajay Sharp. Um, I know Justin Jefferson's a monster, but I think placing huge expectations on a rookie um, receivers usually don't come on right away like running backs do. But uh, Tajay Sharp, I think that's going to be... times, you know. What's up? Because running backs are getting the ball like 300 times, you know. That's true. Yeah, that's true. But I do think Tajay Sharp is going to be not an unsung hero, but he's going to be a really underrated piece that the mm-hmm. Vikings have on that offense. I mean, they've always had two really good receivers for in recent memory, at least. Diggs with Thielen. Um, and then, you know, they've always had two good receivers. But now... If Justin, if Justin Jefferson can pan out to be a good receiver and they have three guys who are pretty good wide receivers, if Tajay Sharp pans out to be pretty good, which I think he's going to be if they use him correctly, I think that's going to be a really good trio. But mm-hmm. uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't look past it and I wouldn't overlook Tajay Sharp. You know, it's interesting that you you mentioned Tajay Sharp. He's actually an intriguing guy. Like he was, he was fast um, coming out of the uh, University of Massachusetts. Uh, Massachusetts, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Arm has to rust. Whatever, it doesn't matter. The man can absolutely play. Coming out of UMass, he obviously, I think I think it was the first game he played against the Vikings. He had like seven catches for like seven yards. He was amazing coming out uh, in his rookie debut. Now, he's got some good things that you look for. Obviously, he's got experience. Um, my question with him is, uh, you know, health concerns. And then also, is he actually going to get the time of day? Because, um, and we'll get into a little bit of it. You know, Ola B.C. Johnson really came through for the Vikings last year. Um, and then you still have Adam Thielen. You still have, um, you know, Dalvin Cook. Like, you, there's a lot of pieces that this Vikings offense has. Um, and I, I just tr- I just don't know if uh, really uh, if Tazi Sharp will get as much. Like, he's kind of – I hate to say it, but, like, I think when people like look at a guy like Tazi Sharp, they think they probably got as about much as they're going to get out of him. Like, unfortunately, like, that's just the mindset because, you know, he's been the, in the league for a couple years now. He hasn't necessarily produced number wide receiver one or – uh, for that matter, for the most part, wide receiver two numbers. I think, unfortunately, a lot of teams will give up on which I believe is not the right move. So I'm glad the Vikings signed him to a one-year deal. Um, but I don't know if he'll get the same time of day that Justin Jefferson will. Justin Jefferson is going to get, if when he wants, he's going to get the ball. So, um, oh, and then again, there's also the possibility of not because Mike Zimmer doesn't like to play rookies unless he absolutely yeah. has to, which he will with his cornerbacks. Mark my word, he will have to play them uh, because. Listen, it's either them or the bench player. There's, that's it. We play the water boy. I don't know if that'll do any well, but he's literally not going to have a choice. So, um, another one more thing about Taj. Uh, yeah. My friend Cody is a huge Titans fan, and Taj played for the Titans for a while. And I kind of talked to him after the Vikings acquired him about, you know, what what are the Vikings getting in Taj Sharp? Is he still good? Um, Cody said he's not going to put up big numbers. He's not going to have a lot of touchdowns and a lot of yards. But the one thing you can always count on Taj Sharp for is being a third or fourth down safety valve. His hands are absurd. He will catch. Cody said he's the best bad ball catcher you'll ever see. So I think that's going to be huge. I don't think Kirk Cousins is garbage. His accuracy is pretty, it's pretty good. But he obviously has his, his days where he throws behind or too far in front of receivers. So having Tajay Sharp on third and fourth down, if they're going to be you know, taking risks, I think that's going to help a lot to have a bad ball catcher like that. Um, have somebody whose hands are... I, I supposedly ridiculously good. I guess we'll find out. But um, I'm excited for the Vikings and for Tajay Sharp. 
Yeah, I, I honestly hope it's kind of almost a little bit of a rejuvenation because you honestly you love those stories about those guys that that come back and you know make something of themselves and uh, are able to kind of. Uh, I hope the same thing, uh, you know, in, in reality uh, happens for Laquan Treadwell who left the Vikings, who actually started, carved himself out a role for the Vikings last year after getting cut and then re-signed, carved himself out a role, scored a touchdown against the Seahawks. That was pretty. Nobody wasn't like within thirty yards of him. But point is, I, I really hope that the, the those two guys really kind of carve out a role in their new respective teams. I know that since uh, Treadwell went to the Falcons. Um, last thing we'll cover tonight, one player from our respect, uh, respective team that people aren't talking about, but they should. Um, who is that player, Tristan, for the Packers? Uh, I've kind of got three, but I'll, uh, I'll do one in particular. Uh, Darnell Savage, uh, the safety that Green Bay drafted last year. Uh, they traded up for him in the first round uh, last year. Our, our two first-round picks for Rashawn Gary and Darnell Savage. Um, you know, this was his first year thrown into the fire right away, starting safety, 55 tackles, two forced fumbles, two interceptions, uh, six passes defended, and he still has a ton of room to develop because there was a lot of plays. He was so close to getting a pick or so close to breaking up a pass, but his timing was just a little off. He flies faster than most people on the field. Um, his, yeah, so his, his potential and his ceiling are super high. And to have that good of a rookie season, I'm just super excited about what he can be in this Mike Pettin defense with uh, Adrian Amos playing safety on the other side. Um, I do think get maybe give or take one or two years, he'll probably be one of the better safeties in the league. Not the best, but I do think he'll probably be a top 10 safety in the NFL um, just because of the way his potential is looking right now. Um, the other two that I kind of gave honorable mentions to, Jamal Williams, uh, the running back. I don't think enough people talk about Jamal Williams and what he does for the offense. Everybody's kind of stuck on Aaron Jones. Um, obviously, Aaron Jones is a freak. But Jamal Williams catches the ball out of the backfield better than Aaron Jones ever will. Um, and I, I'm 100% confident in that. And I do think Jamal Williams is going to – he quietly had a really good year last year. And I think this next year he'll have a, an even bigger role. I'm not really sure what's going to happen actually in the backfield because they just drafted uh, – the guy from Boston College, the running back in the second round, A.J. Dillon. And they also have Dexter Williams. They drafted last year from Notre Dame. So they got a, they got a really crowded running back room. But I do think Jamal Williams, and he's going to have a hell of a year, I think. And one more guy that I'm super excited about getting back that nobody talks about. Everybody talks about the Packers needing receivers. I was one of those people. But the more I look at it, the more I don't really think we needed to draft one. I mean, we got Devin Funchess, which is okay. But... Equinemius St. Brown, coming back from injury. We drafted him two years ago. I think he played for Notre Dame. Um, but two years ago, he really started to come into his own more than Marquez did, uh, more than any of the other guys we had did. He was looking like a solid number two receiver. He was making ridiculous plays with Aaron Rodgers. He was out all of this last season with an injury. And Aaron has been super outspoken about how excited he is to get him back this year. Obviously, Alan Lazard has kind of risen up to the number two wide receiver spot, which uh, Devin Funches looks like he's, he'll be a number three probably. Um, but Equinemius is probably going to step in and steal Funches's job, I think. Uh, Funches is a veteran. He's good. But these young guys, I don't know, there's just something about him. When you get a young guy who's fast, who can make ridiculous catches, uh, you're, I don't know. He's going to fit in really well. He's going to be kind of like a Randall Cobb. He'll probably play a lot of slot. Not a lot of wide receiver, but I do think he's going to have good numbers. He'll have better the better numbers than Funchess, most likely. Probably not as 
obviously not as good as Devontae Adams and uh, Alan Lazard, but I do think his numbers will be up there. So, yeah, Jamal Williams, EQ, and uh, Darnell Savage are my three for the Packers. Sorry, I kind of picked more than one, but. Nope. That's absolutely <laughs> You know what, since you did it, I'll do it too. Um, I want to start with the, the guy that I did the most research on and the most looking up to. Um, it's all BC Johnson if you're a Vikings fan. Like, you are so excited to see a guy that was drafted in the seventh round of the Colorado last year that, honestly, they probably thought that his uh, that the other uh, receiver that the Vikings um, drafted in the first round last year, uh, Dylan, was probably going to do a lot better than uh, a lot of people thought. Like, he was going to have a way better uh, – like, everybody was calling him the steal of the draft. So, uh, I, honestly, I felt like it was Dylan Mitchell, excuse me. And he, the Dylan thing with Dylan Mitchell was he was so fat, like he was so, uh, he had caught like 10 passes the year before that in Oregon, had over 1,000 yards, like really came into him with his own. But he had character concerns. People that were scouts wondered if he actually wanted it enough. And I think everybody in their mother thought, especially the Vikings fans, thought that uh, Dylan Mitchell was going to come out and absolutely, uh, he, he was going to be the steal of the draft. And it was actually quite the opposite. Old BC Johnson really came on. Um, for the uh, for the Vikings, and it was kind of one of those things, you're like, what the, it's, it's one thing for one seventh round draft pick to do, but for, uh, and again, uh, Dylan Mitchell, who we thought was going to be the guy, and then Ola B.C. Johnson comes out of nowhere. Ola B.C. Johnson last year, honestly, when Adam Thielen went out, I don't think anybody thought he would make this much of an impact, but you see a guy that caught over 30 passes last year, now he only had, uh, he had under 300 yards, so only nine and a half yards per catch, but there, if you look through the Vikings film, and especially if you look at um, in certain games, like against the Detroit Lions, uh, the, I think it was the second time they played him, and, the, and when they played the Chargers, he understands um, pass route concepts, and he does a great job of creating separation. He's got great hands. Uh, he's already a really good route runner. I, I think you're really going to see a guy like him, um, and it's unfortunate because people don't talk about him. People like, okay, well, he caught a touch, a big deal. People don't, uh, people don't give him the respect he deserves. He's going to come in to Vikings training camp if there is one, hopefully. Uh, he's going to come in at number as, as the number two wide receiver for the Vikings. That's how it is. Um, Justin Jefferson has to prove himself before I think uh, Mr. Johnson is going to be unseated. So um, it's going to be really fun to watch his development, especially as a, a former seventh-round draft pick, a guy you probably thought was mainly going to contribute on special teams mostly, not even types of football a whole lot. But over 30 catches last year, immediately like for, through the first three preseason games last year, he was amazing. And then he didn't play in the fourth one, and usually that's a sign you're going to make the squad. So when you see a seventh-rounder like that um, come and just produce and have a, a general understanding of the offense and have a, a, a rapport uh, with Kirk Cousins right out the gate, it's really impressive to see. Um, so I think, honestly, that was the, the, he's the number one guy that you're excited to watch that nobody's talking about. Like, nobody's talking about Ola B.C. Johnson. Uh, honestly, nobody knew who this kid was. So, um, and again, it wasn't like he's a freak athlete. I think he ran like a 4, 5, 4, 6, 40. So, again, he's not a bruiser. Like, he's not amazing athletically. But he's six foot. Uh, he's, he's about 200 pounds. And he, can, he brings, uh, he brings a, like, a dynamic wide receiving threat that uh, nobody's talking about. And I think that's a, a really something people need to watch out for next year. I expect him to have at least 500 receiving yards next year and five touchdowns. So, um, I think he's really going to come on strong for the Vikings. And then another player, um, and right off the top of my head, it's going to be Drew Samia. Now, Drew Samia was an offensive guard that the Vikings drafted out of Oklahoma um, in the 2019 NFL draft uh, in the fourth round. Now, Drew Samia, like, 
there's certain guys you watch that are just mean on the football field. Like when you meet them in a classroom or you meet them uh, just walking like down the hall, they're nice guys, you know, but then you get them on the football field and they try to bury you. Like they try to hurt you because that, that's what football is. Like that's just how the game is. And people, uh, you know, like that, like those players that are just mean and gritty like that, that's just how they play. And Drew Smith is exactly like that. He's actually a good athlete. Uh, he's mean now. I think he basically essentially had a redshirt year with the Minnesota Vikings his first year, uh, you know, get out. But now the Vikings released Josh Klein. They bring in Drew Samia, uh after a year of sitting him down, letting him learn the scheme, uh, letting get him learn how to properly play in the NFL um, and harness some of that energy. Like he was uh, naturally aggressive, which is what you love to see in an offensive guard. But he was a guy that he had to learn how to channel it because he had been uh, he had had a couple of uh, unnecessary roughness penalties coming into college. But you love to see that. And I think that's a, a guy right there that nobody's talking about. And then my third guy. Um, that I think that nobody is talking about. And it's understandably so, but honestly, it's Alexander Madison for the Minnesota Vikings, the number two running back behind Delvin Cook. Now, obviously, if Delvin Cook is going to be doing his thing, I, I understand it. Like, the guy's going to run for 1,100 yards when he's healthy. He's going to have 12, 13 touchdowns. Because if you look at it, the turn on tape, Delvin Cook is a more explosive, like, more eye-popping running back. Like, that's just the harsh reality that we live in. But even last year, I was even looking overlooking Alexander Madison. I said he was a reach in the third round. I thought you could have got him in the fifth round. Um, I thought uh, Boise was just kind of one of those teams that, okay, yeah, they, they look really good. Uh, play, like he looked really good playing on a Boise squad, playing against not as great as competition as Delvin Cook did. So I'm thinking, okay, great. You know, we got a, a, another guy that maybe might give us a couple hundred rush yards. Last year, he absolutely came out. And now he only scored, I believe he only scored one touchdown. But every time he got the football and spelled Delvin Cook, he made he he made an amazing play. He just he runs like Dalvin in some ways. He just doesn't go down. He keeps his feet running. Um, he, he stiff arms that kind of people. And also, the man can jump. Like this mm -hmm. guy is a hurdler in every sense of the word. So, uh, I think that that's uh, going to be really. He's going to be really a fun player to watch. And nobody's talking about him. And again, understandably so because you know Dalvin Cook, star running back. You're not really going to talk about um, anybody else other than the guy that's getting the lion share that carries in, impressing the most people. But if uh, and and that's a one another thing that's unfortunate. I believe if Alexander Madison had played against the Packers the second time game around against them uh, in Minnesota or in Minneapolis, excuse me. I think uh, I don't know that he would necessarily have like shifted it to where the Vikings would have won, but I think he would have been pretty close because mm -hmm. that's how good of a player he is. He is um, he's not necessarily on Dalvin Cook's level right now, but he's he's a good player. I think he could have shifted the game a little bit more. But um, I agree. Uh, they were the Vikings were missing both of those guys, right? Cook yep. and Madison. Yep. And correct me if I'm wrong, was it you that I texted? It was either you or another Vikings fan I texted uh, when Dalvin Cook was out or Madison was just playing. And he got a couple carries and he was just making good plays. And I either texted you or someone else. It was, I was me. like I was like, oh my God, like this guy, who is this guy? Like this guy this guy looks exactly like Dalvin Cook. He looked better to me than Dalvin like not better, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. I thought I thought it was Dalvin Cook for a second. I was like, "Who the hell is this guy? Like, why yeah. isn't he a starter?" But yeah. yeah, I see what you mean. He plays very comparable to Dalvin Cook. Fast hits holes fast. He's yeah, he's a load to pick up. Yeah. yeah, and also I think you got you were impressed with another guy, Mike Boone, um, for oh, the Vikings. Yeah. And yeah, he started against the Packers, and it really wasn't his fault because everybody was playing awful against the Packers, so it wasn't just on him. But he's another guy I think people need to be more excited about because he got his first, like, chance to start Week 17 against the Bears, came out, ran for over 100 yards, and, like, 
there's certain running backs that hit the holes, and once they get going, they're just they can run. And Mike Boone is one of those guys. So he's another player. Thank you for mentioning him. That uh, you know Vikings fans really need to take a look at because he's exciting. Uh, he's a guy that gets in the open field. Um, and, and you got to be uh, when when you're watching him, you're like, oh, this guy could go all the way and just in, in, in any play. So um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, were there any other Packers, uh, any other Packers players you're excited to see next year or uh, anything else as we close this out? Uh, Equinemius. I'm really excited to see Equinemius back. Uh, we did draft Dexter Williams. I do think we'll probably cut him or move on from him. A.J. Dillon, I think, is going to have a pretty decent role in the offense as a rookie right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm really excited to see what he can do because he's one of those guys where he hits a hole and he's just full bore, full speed, no hesitation, and he's a hard guy to, to take down. He's He's kind of an interesting stature for a running back. He's only about 5'8", I think, but he's like 230. But he yeah. runs like a 4'4 four, four or a 4'5". He's just a little bowling He's a little bowling ball running back. So it'll be, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what he can do. I mean, Jamal Williams has kind of been our, our bruiser, and Aaron Jones has been the slasher. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what kind of a dynamic A.J. Dillon brings to the offense. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna actually go uh, one more player because I know we, I, I brought up one player because I thought we could get a good uh, a good level of talk about that. But I think there's actually one more player I actually want to bring up. Uh, there's and he kind of is like there's him and then there's like little A B C players that also. But and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, maybe you've noticed that as a Packers fan, the Vikings interior pass rush has been kind of suspect. Uh, it was last year. Uh, the year before that, it was actually very good with Sheldon Richardson coming off. Uh, like they were, they were obviously Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin were doing their things on the outside, but up the middle, there just wasn't a whole lot of upfield penetration. Um, other than Linval Joseph, who can't do it all himself, like he draws a double team every single time. So, and the Vikings had to deal with having like one defensive end spot that you didn't know what you were going to get out of. So, um, I actually was very, I'm very excited to hear. Um, about what James Lynch is going to do. He was a, a fourth-round draft pick out of Baylor. Um, and he was the 2019, I believe he was the 2019 Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. And he was a guy that as he kind of got more experience, um, I've, uh, this is more content. You guys can go ahead and subscribe to the uh, our YouTube channel. I talk about, uh, I literally expect him to really have a great year because of not just the way he played in college, but uh, the, the, his motor, the way he uh, just never gives up. Uh, that big lunch pail guy that's going to come in to work uh, and just never give up and just really uh, give you everything he's got every play. And he, he, it's not like he's the most athletic guy ever, but he's big enough and I think he's strong enough that he's going to come in right away. Um, and he's going to like put a Band-Aid on some of this the, the Vikings' interior pass rush problems. Like uh, Because, honestly, again, it was Linval Joseph, and then it was kind of who else? Like Arvin Watts had uh, uh, was another guy that came in and did pretty well in spurts. But uh, as far as Jaleel Johnson and Jalen Holmes, you didn't know we were getting out. So to have another guy like Lynch come in and then also Armand Watts, I'm really excited to see what will happen with that other defensive tackle spot. My perfect, in my personal opinion, I believe Armand Watts should start over Shamar Steffen, uh, even though Shamar Steffen is probably better in the run game at this stage in his career. Um, but Armand Watts just gives you so much more and big playability. Um, and for the short amount of time he was on the field last year, you just saw – uh, just such a huge difference in terms of production uh, effect on the game. Like, I'm really excited to see how Armand Watts and uh, James Lynch both do what they both do for the interior pass rush of the Minnesota Vikings. But, um, but anyway, that's all basically all we had for the show. Um, man, Tristan, uh, a lot. Of, this is a great getaway. It really is. Like, I, I truly appreciate you coming on. And, uh, man, we'll, we'll be back for 40, uh, episode 41 uh, probably in the next week or two. And, uh, man, it's always been a pleasure, you know? Yeah, it's fun. Not this next week, but uh, the week after I'll have a new office. And I'll have a nice little setup, and I'll get my uh, 
my background going on with my frame jersey. So I'll have a better setup in a couple weeks. But yeah, it's definitely nice uh, with not a lot of sports stuff going on to take a break, talk about sports. And uh, I get to see your muscles today, which is new. Um, <laughs> I don't know never, You never get to show me those, so that was exciting. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I decided to go with the tank top today. We went out. We had my, great, uh, my, uh, my niece and nephew over had a great time. I was like, you know, we're going tank top today. Like, we're going cocky. No, I'm kidding. Not cocky. I was just like, I need to tan because I'm uh, I'm like uh, egg white, like when it's fully cooked white. Like, so bad. Like, when I, if people were to see me in public, they might go blind because, like, that's how bad I need to get, like, get on the sun. But, um, no, I, I appreciate it. Uh, make sure you guys also give us a follow on social media other than subscribing, leaving a comment, and a like as well. So, and as always, from the Sports Beat Podcast, peace out.